Coming up, the 2020 college football season will never be forgotten. What did the pandemic teach us that we'll learn moving forward for college football? Plus, all eyes this week were on National Signing Day. What did it actually tell us that we need to know about the future of the college football playoff? You'll hear from our experts on it. And obviously, we are just days away from the Super Bowl. We'll show you some college football tie-ins that are absolutely going to blow your mind. That's right. We found every possible way to integrate the Super Bowl into this show. We are ready for a huge edition of College Football Live. Trevor Maddich, Greg McElroy, I'm Jason Fitz. Gentlemen, I know it's Super Bowl weekend, but we got a lot of college football to get to. Before we get to anything, let's start with some breaking news everybody needs to know. This also ties in to the NFL. As we now know, Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence is set to undergo a left labrum shoulder repair that's not expected to have affect his readiness for the 2021 season, according to his representatives. The procedure will take place after Lawrence uh, throws for NFL teams February 12th. Doctors are confident that he will be recovered in time for training camp, and it won't have any effect on his career. Also, in the world of breaking news today, we get the Big Ten releasing their schedule. Some notable games that you see there. Illinois taking on Nebraska. That one going to be in Dublin. Uh, you've also got Oregon, Ohio State, Washington, Michigan, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. Lots of big matchups on the slate. So let's get right into it. Trevor Maddich, when you look at that schedule, what are you most excited about? What are you looking forward to? Fitz, I love how much there is to prove early in the Big Ten schedule. Wisconsin has a tough ask playing Penn State in their opener. Last year in the opener against Michigan, the Badgers looked like championship caliber team. And then COVID hit and completely derailed their season. So they have a lot to prove early. So does Ohio State. This Oregon team coming on September 11th won the Pac-12 championship. They were young last year. They've got a lot of experience coming into this big matchup. I just love seeing those Big Ten brands that you just referenced right there, Trev, and seeing them up against a non-conference foe. I think for the SEC, for the Big Ten, for the Pac-12, all the teams and the leagues that stayed within the conference this last year, we missed out on one of my favorite things that we have every, every football season, and that's the conference supremacy argument. We couldn't have it this year. We thought one league was better than the other and the other. No, we can, we'll actually be able to settle it on the field this year. And I think that's something that all of us as college fans can look forward to here in 2021. Well, obviously, all eyes are also on what happened last year. Look at this. 123 of 690 games involving FBS teams were canceled or postponed this season. Six weeks featured, featured double-digit games that were impacted. A lot of chaos. So through that chaos, the question is, what did we learn moving forward? Greg McElroy, what lesson can we take from this college football season and apply it to the future? That we can really get through anything. <laughs> I think more than anything else, but... One other thing that I've noticed is just that when we watched the games this year, I think we all love college football. Trevor and I both watch it, not just for the pageantry, but we watch it for the X's and the O's between the white lines. But I can tell you this much, man, I missed the fans. Even as someone that is a football purist that loves the strategy and the cat and mouse game, the energy that you get when you're in a stadium or the energy you get when watching a game on television it's captured better than ever on television, frankly, and we missed that this year. And as much as I love the sport and I love the actual X's and the O's on the football field, there's nothing quite like the atmosphere that college football can provide. So I can't wait to bring that back because we need it if our sport's going to continue to ascend in the world of sports in our, in our country. 
Greg, I absolutely agree with you. It's the, the triumph of the fans whose team won or had a great moment. But I don't know if I should admit this, but it's also fantastic to watch the agony of defeat of the teams that lose, <laughs> of the fans of the teams that lose. The surrender Cobra, the absolute shock of having a big play unexpectedly go against you. That, that's part of the fun. I think part of the inner workings that we'll see going forward because of COVID is the way they've used technology to keep up with their team. This is the coaches now to keep up with their team, to keep up with recruits, to keep up with boosters because they weren't able to get together. And so now they have learned that it's okay to have these Zoom meetings. It's okay to develop relationships through a screen. Whereas in the past, that would have been not a relationship at all. It would have been a screen. That's ridiculous, especially for the old school coaches. But I think they've learned that technology can help. And I think they'll go forward with that. Guys, when I look back at this season, I keep thinking about flexibility with scheduling. What BYU did, I think, was incredible, and there's an excitement. I want to live in a world where the last weekend of the season, before we get to championship games, can be left open, and it can be an open date. Schedule anybody out of conference. It's an opportunity for schools that are on the rise to make a ton of money. It's an opportunity to create more matchups. I want to see flexibility. It seems to me like there's got to be some way we can take the excitement of the unpredictability, unpredictability of BYU and apply it forward. I mean, is that even reasonable? Manage? Uh, I think it's reasonable. I think it could happen. The, the thing that made it possible this season with the pandemic was you had games that were canceled, you had weekends that were open, and you had teams flock into that. It would have to be sort of a bye week to make that happen. But still, where it might apply is that there had been an idea that you had to schedule games many years in advance. Well, now we've had games scheduled days in advance. So I think they'll be able to put together schedules much more quickly now and not worry about it being a negative thing. It ain't going to happen as much as I wish it would, <laughs> and it'd be great for college football. It's not going to happen, Fitz, as much as I wish that you would put that in place. I mean, just make me the college football czar. I'm just saying, all right, part of the reason that I like uh, unpredictability is because it feels like things have been so predictable. We all know that Bama dominated the 2020 season. This week they dominated uh, signing day in historic fast fashion. The rich got richer, the strong get stronger. So at this point, college football fans feel a little hopeless. Trevor, where's the hope at this point for college football fans that aren't Bama fans? Clemson. The hope is Clemson. You can't really be Bama. That's going to be hard. But you can be the Tigers. Keep in mind that it took Dabo Sweeney about a decade to develop Clemson from just sort of an average program, maybe a little above average, to a championship caliber program year after year. And he did things that had never been done there before. For example, they had never had a million-dollar individual donation at Clemson before Dabo. Now they routinely get those kinds of donations, and that helps to build up facilities and everything else. So I think that with a, a small school in a small town, if they're able to rise up and then compete year after year with the big blue bloods and become a blue blood, you can do that too if you're a college football program that wishes to invest. Invest is 100% correct, and they did so in a state with a population of well south of 5 million meaning that they recruit nationally. So this little old program, like Davo likes to refer to them, has now gone out to New Jersey, to California, to Texas, and have brought players in. So the awareness is there. The one thing I would say for people that remain optimistic about the likelihood of their team contending for championships in the future is that college football is cyclical. 
We have seen Alabama at the highest of highs, and we've seen Alabama at the lowest of lows. The same can be said for Ohio State. The same can be said for Nebraska, who's currently experiencing a low, but at one point was at or near the top of college football every single year. Florida's gone through it. Florida State's gone through it. Everybody has gone through either a peak or valley at some point in the last two or three decades. Now, Alabama, does it feel like their run's going to last forever? Yeah, it does. But so did SC. In the 2004, 5, 6, 7 seasons, it felt like they were going to win every single championship from here until the end of time. So just be patient and know when you get your opportunity, do not mess it up. Because Bama won't, neither will Clemson, and neither will the elite teams and, pro and programs in college football. That's a fair point, Greg, but let's look at the difference between, let's say, college football and the NFL, where it has been very uh, dominated. We, if you're a football fan in the NFL, you've watched the Patriots go through this whole period, and it never feels as boring because they have a larger playoff feel. I mean, Trevor, couldn't some of – I know we all beat the playoff expansion conversation to death, but wouldn't expanding the playoffs actually give more opportunity for at least hope for fans? Yeah, you know, it would. I mean, if you're not in the arena – you talk big all the time, but the minute you have to put your money where your mouth is and get in there and compete yourself, you talk a little bit less, I think. So I think expanding to eight would be good because I think you'd have teams have their opportunity that they want. But more than that, I think expanding to eight is good because if you structure it correctly, it will reestablish the importance of conference championship races. The way the four-team playoff has been is has been to treat a conference championship as a tiebreaker to apply at the end of the process if it's necessary. And that makes conferences like the Pac-12 and the Big 12 this year, they were out of it in September. That makes their championship race just an also-ran of regional interest. And I don't think that's good. I think if you had five Power 5 conference championships, regardless of record, and then three at large so that that undefeated team who loses to a three-loss team in the conference championship game can still get in, I think that would reestablish the importance of conference championships, Greg. Now, this will upset you, Trevor, but how many Washington Redskins games do you think people watched in the regular season? Probably not that many, because there was a period of time that the Washington Redskins were frankly unwatchable, and yet they still made the playoffs. Our biggest strength as a sport is the strength of the regular season and the do-or-die nature when you put it on the line each and every Saturday. All that being said, this past year proved to me that we have to strongly consider expanding in the near future because I don't like the idea of a team like Cincinnati who did everything they could possibly do and in a year in which they weren't able to play anyone outside the conference against Power 5 teams that they would likely have a chance to play against in a normal year, and yet they were still sitting at home having done everything you wanted to see from them and they actually moved down in the rankings. So I think that expansion is necessary, at least something that we need to consider. And I think eight's the right number if we are going to go in that direction. Yeah, Greg, I'm going to completely disagree with you when it comes to the NFL side of it. As everybody knows, I'm a lifelong diehard Raiders fan, right? I'm going to watch Patrick Mahomes probably kick my favorite team's butt, and it doesn't matter. I still watch every Sunday, even though I know the Raiders aren't as good as Kansas City because they got a shot at the wild card. And if they get into the wild card, maybe something magical can happen. That's the advantage if you're a fan of a program that's looking for some opportunity to at least get into it. At least you can have that. This is why the debate rages on consistently. By the way, only six teams have won a college football playoff game. I'm just saying there's got to be some sort of a change coming. We're just getting started in what we've got to get into obviously over the course of the show. Coming up, we'll stroll down memory lane looking back at some of the strangest moments of the season, some of the best moments, 
It's the year in review with some of the great images you remember from what we saw this year. Plus, Brady versus Mahomes, the Super Bowl Sunday, but there are plenty of incredible college football-related nuggets in the game. We'll surprise you with some of them coming up. ESPN started tracking stars back in 2010. So when you look at the, the Super Bowl this weekend, and you look at the rankings here, these are players that would have graduated uh, after 2010. You'll see there's only one five-star recruit playing in the Super Bowl. In fact, between both of the teams combined. You look at the numbers here, only 20 combined four stars, only 22 combined three stars. It shows you that as much as we were focused on stars this week in recruiting, that doesn't always make stars in the biggest game in the NFL. So, speaking of some of the great players that we'll be seeing, Trevor Maddich, Greg McElroy, you like the way I tied all that together, Greg. Uh, let's get to your thoughts on the best <laughs> college players that are in this game. So we're for reference here, we're only looking at their college career. Trevor Maddich, your top three players from college football that are in the Super Bowl. I've got Ndamukong Sue, then Tyron Matthew of LSU, and Clyde Edwards-Elair out of LSU. But the reason I've got Sue out of Nebraska at number one is that he is absolutely the most physically dominant player I've ever seen in college football. You can't block him with one guy. You can't block him with two guys, and three guys don't fit on it. But you'll try anyway, and what it looks like on TV <laughs> is Godzilla being swarmed by a herd of kittens. It is hilarious to watch him throw off blockers and then finish tackles with fierce violence. If you look at Ndamukong Sue's numbers from 2009, the year he finished fourth in the Heisman Trophy, Trev, they are, like, career good. If you had them over the course of a four-year career, you'd think, you know, I have a pretty good career. I mean, he had 12 and a half sacks, 21 and a half tackles for loss. He had 28 hurries. He had 10 pass breakups. It's ridiculous. So I also have him at number one. I think you can make a strong argument that he should have been at or near the top of the Heisman Trophy race in 2009. And number two, I also have the Honey Badger. I thought this guy, pound for pound, in 2011 – was the best football player in America. He also was a Heisman finalist. And if you remember, he only played two years at LSU before getting dismissed his final year. But as far as instincts are concerned, playmaking ability, having a nose for the football, the guy just knew how to make plays. And he had a knack for doing it at the most important times in the game. So I had him at number two. And then at number three, I had Leonard Fournette, who appropriately enough also wore number seven for LSU. So clearly an affinity for me towards the guys in the Bayou Bengals. If I would extend this list two more spots, I would have had a third Bayou Bengal in the top five. That would have been Devin White. If I would have go to five, it would be Mike Evans from AM. Devin White would be five. Those are the best college players playing in the Super Bowl on Sunday. McElroy's just taking this thing over. He's changing the list. I love that you two differ on your running backs. And also, I, would, I was certain Trevor was going to put an offensive lineman in there. So, one person not in there, Patrick Mahomes. And a lot of people don't realize that Texas Tech wasn't even 500 Mahomes as their quarterback. So, Greg, when Texas Tech fans watch this game, are they happy or are they sad for opportunity lost for the quarterback they had? <laughs> Isn't it amazing? I mean, because you have to be so proud of what your fellow alum has done, and you have to be so proud that I think by the time it's all said and done, we'll be listing Patrick Mahomes as the most gifted quarterback to have ever played the position. But if I were a Texas Tech fan, I would be just consumed 
by the fact that we couldn't win with this guy at quarterback. He goes to the next level, and next thing you know, he's setting the world on fire. Is this an indictment on my program? That would be the question I'd be asking, Fitz, because frankly, I think it's a fair question given the fact they struggled so much while Pat Mahomes was in Lubbock. Well, Kansas City Chiefs fans are all very happy for it. You guys can check out Super Bowl 55. Obviously, we know it's Mahomes and the Chiefs, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. It's on ESPN Deportes in Spanish and CBS in English, Sunday, 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. Uh, so we'll keep the, the, the conversation going. But coming up, as we look back at everything from last year, if a picture tells a thousand words, I think we're going there. I don't know. Are we? Yes. If a picture tells a thousand words, nothing will tell the story of 2020 college football season better than the images of the year. They'll be coming up next on College Football Live. It's never too early to get some bold predictions, so let's put you guys on the record. I'm sure the internet will be forgiving. Trevor, uh, what's your bold prediction for next season? Clemson quarterback DJ Uyunglele wins the Heisman Trophy. When oh. Trevor Lawrence missed the, the Notre Dame game, Uyunglele threw for over 400 yards against the Irish without enough experience to even know what opportunities he missed. His receivers will be better next year. Greg, what you got? UCF doesn't even have a coach yet, and you guys are trying <laughs> to make us do bold predictions. The coaching carousel hadn't even stopped spinning yet, and yet we're talking bold predictions. But I'll give you one. Why not? Okay. The Pac-12 will make the college football playoff in 2021. SC and Oregon are close. One of the two gets over the edge and makes the postseason for the first time in quite a while for the Pac-12. That's, those are good, bold predictions, gentlemen. I'm proud of you. Nobody asked for mine, but I'll tell you, I think that in the 2021 season, playoff expansion will be announced. We'll have another year where a group of five team goes undefeated, doesn't get in, everybody will be angry, and suddenly we'll have playoff expansion. See, it's that easy, Greg. You don't have to make it difficult. And then later in the year, you just deny you said it and make somebody look it up. It's simple. All right. Uh, obviously, it's been a heck of a year. Don't bother with the contracts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It, yeah, no, the contracts. Well, let, let smarter people than me figured that out it's been a crazy year for college football and an amazing year for college football live we appreciate the fact that you guys have given us so much of your time throughout the course of the year we feel like the best way to send you out is to do it by remembering some of the greatest moments from a crazy chaotic season i can't believe we got here but we are for greg mcelroy for trevor maddich i'm jason fitz and for everybody behind the scenes that makes this show happen we thank you so much for spending your time with us every single week enormous news that rocks college football. Both the Big Ten and the Pac-12 decided to punt on the season. It certainly has the potential to snowball. If numbers are escalating, college football is not going to happen. All the momentum was going the wrong way. We were like, hey, we, we want to play. We want to play no matter who it is or where it is. We're holding this together. There's going to be some wild turns this year. Many thought that we weren't going to see college football. The most unpredictable season. We didn't know if we were going to get here, but we are here. So Football is back. That was an unbelievable catch. Oh my goodness! What a tackle by Scholar! We go to a fourth overtime. Intercepted a Red River showdown for the ages. No fear of the fight in front of me. They are creating change by actually going out in the community and making sure that action is happening. Supposed to love one another. Supposed to be there for one another. You guys are a special group. I said. Oh, yeah. Back, 
steps up, opening, rolls near side, goes to the corner, dives to the corner. He didn't get there. No, they say he did. I just want to tell all the girls out there that you can do anything you set your mind to. It's the Mormons versus the Mullets. Last chance. Melvin catch. Wrestle down on the two. Coastal wins it. Coastal football's here. We're here to stay. So that would be called the triple doink. Well, we get the sprinklers going off. It's 2020, Kurt. Hell of a job, guys. If you come together, nobody can stop you. There is an empty space for number 65. That is the number that John Slarman wore. He told me what it meant to be a man. If I can get back on the field, then I'll know that I've beaten cancer. Culpepper for the touchdown. Everybody has had this game circled on their calendar. Look at the shotgun, throws into the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame! Ball pitch behind. Game over. Notre Dame knocks off number one. It is good. This game is over. Have you ever seen anything like that? Touchdown, Jackson Heath. I didn't want to know, like, Chinese get ball, too. An underhanded flip into traffic. Are you kidding me? The Wildcats take control of the Big Ten West. Fighting Reese Davis is right here. He has tied the NCAA record with his eighth touchdown run. Buckle up, round two. ETN. In the clear, the Tigers pouring it on. Fields is delivering a performance that's going to live forever. Alabama looks every bit like number one. And so what else is new? Even in the surreal season, the song remains the same. This group, we're going undefeated and winning the national championship. I think we're the best team to ever play. 